0: Did Jesus of Nazareth really exist back in the first century AD? Or was he just a mythical figure created by people who wanted to fool everyone else? Some people say there's no credible evidence outside the Bible that shows that Jesus even existed, let alone did the supernatural things the Bible claims he did. What is the truth? Do you know for sure? If you're a Christian and someone asked you to show them one shred of evidence outside the Bible that shows Jesus existed, would you have anything to show them? If you're not a Christian, and the main reason you're not is that you don't trust the Bible, do you really know what the facts are? Maybe you've heard the skeptics' theories and doubts, but have you ever checked out the facts for yourself? Brothers and sisters... Are we fools to think that Jesus actually lived here on earth and did what the gospels say he did? Are we only following fables and stories that other people have made up? Outside the Bible, is there any evidence that Jesus existed back in the first century? Well, yes, I am happy to say there is. In fact, I have several things to share with you this morning that you will, no doubt, find interesting and helpful in your search for the truth, whether you're a Christian or not. The historical facts of the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ, are very important. If they are true, they are life-changing. If we choose to believe in Jesus as a result of verifying these facts, He will change our lives forever. I am confident of that. Most people simply need to have confidence that certain things actually happen before they can put their faith in Jesus as their Savior and follow Him as their Lord or leader. In his first letter to the church at Corinth, the Apostle Paul noted the things that are most important to the gospel record. I am reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. The heart of the gospel is in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We believe that all of these things happened to him, an actual being who lived in the flesh as we do. But if Jesus never existed in history, all of it is a lie. Skeptics are quick to say there is no credible evidence that Jesus existed, let alone did the things the Bible claims he did. They say he left no archaeological footprint, and the few scant mentions of him in outside writings can't be trusted. Upon close examination of these things, however, I learned that there is plenty of solid evidence that Jesus existed outside the Bible record itself, and I want to share that with you this morning. Of course, this is not to discount or discredit the Bible itself. In fact, We already verified the Bible's reliability three weeks ago. Many of us trust the gospel accounts in the Bible. Matthew, and Mark, Luke, and John. Now, Matthew and John were both eyewitnesses of Jesus' life and ministry. Mark and Luke were only recorders of someone else's eyewitness accounts, but we believe that they were accurate and truthful. Mark wrote his gospel based on Peter's account about Jesus' life. And Luke interviewed a host of eyewitnesses as he prepared his gospel. And Luke, we know, to be a very careful historian of the highest order. There was one archaeologist I read about that carefully checked Luke's records, his facts. He referenced 32 countries, 54 cities, and 9 islands that Luke talked about, and he never made a single mistake. He couldn't find a single error. But here's the question for today. Is there historical evidence for Jesus outside the Bible record itself? First of all, there are many Christians who wrote about Jesus after the New Testament books and letters had all been written. We call them, in many cases, the early church fathers. They're in the first and second centuries, and they verify that the details of Jesus' life were factual. These are men like Polycarp and Ignatius and Irenaeus. One of the earliest respected church fathers was a fellow named Justin Martyr, who was born around 100 A.D., and Justin Martyr wrote extensively about his own search for the truth. He was not raised in a Christian home, but he came to faith in Christ on his own, even as he was growing up in Israel. He mentions in his writings some of the sites of Jesus' story. The birthplace of Jesus in Bethlehem, for instance, or Joseph's carpenter shop where Jesus apprenticed, both of which Justin Martyr had personally visited. But we want to move beyond other Christians and get closer to the people who are actual contemporaries of Jesus and his followers. Some of them are Jewish sources that actually are not very friendly to Christianity, You may be surprised to learn that the Jewish rabbinical traditions mention Jesus by name. And they are also the only sources that spell his name accurately in Aramaic, his native tongue. They call him Yeshua Hanatsri, or Joshua or Jesus of Nazareth. One of these sources is actually from the Mishnah, the earliest written collection of the Jewish oral traditions. Amazingly, it is the arrest notice... For Jesus, and this is how it reads, He shall be stoned because he has practiced sorcery and lured Israel to apostasy. Anyone who can say anything in his favor, let him come forward and plead on his behalf. Anyone who knows where he is, let him declare it to the great Sanhedrin in Jerusalem. Isn't that amazing? Did you know such a thing existed? Paul Meyer, professor of ancient history, notes four things in this statement that strongly support its authenticity as an arrest notice before Jesus was actually arrested. First of all, that future tense is used. This is something we want to do. Secondly, that stoning is the the punishment mentioned, which was a regular punishment for blasphemy among the Jews, not crucifixion. And in fact, thirdly, there is no reference whatever to crucifixion, which only happened after they had to involve the governor, Pontius Pilate. And then finally, that Jesus was charged with sorcery, which accords perfectly with how Jesus' opponents explained away his miraculous healings. You remember them saying that he performed them with the help of Beelzebul, or the devil, Luke eleven eighteen. 18. That would be sorcery. Here is the Sanhedrin's own account that they plan to arrest Jesus, if they could. Another huge Jewish source of information about Jesus of Nazareth comes from Flavius Josephus, the well-known Jewish historian of the first century. Josephus is far and away the best source of information that we have about first century Israel, where Jesus lived. Josephus was a well-connected aristocrat and military leader who served as a commander in Galilee during the first Jewish revolt against Rome which would have been between 66 and 70 A.D. Josephus twice mentions Jesus in his Jewish antiquities, a massive 20-volume history of the Jewish people that was written around 93 A.D. Josephus gives us the longest first-century non-biblical mention of Jesus. So let's see what Josephus says. At this time, there was a wise man called Jesus, and his conduct was good, and he was known to be virtuous. Many people among the Jews and the other nations became his disciples. Pilate condemned him to be crucified and to die, but those who had become his disciples did not abandon his discipleship. They reported that he appeared to them three days after his crucifixion and that he was alive. Accordingly, he was perhaps the Messiah concerning whom the prophets have reported wonders, and the tribe of the Christians so named after him has not disappeared to this day. Did you know that Josephus had said such things about Jesus? Finally, let me share two secular sources. Uh, have no Christian Jewish bearing. They're simply other people talking about Jesus of Nazareth. One of them is Cornelius Tacitus, He was a Roman senator and historian in the second century. In 116 A.D., Tacitus wrote something called the Annals of Imperial Rome. And while chronicling the burning of Rome in 64 A.D., Tacitus mentions that the Roman Emperor Nero falsely accused and blamed the followers of Jesus for that tragic fire. He says Nero blamed the persons commonly called Christians who were hated for their enormities. Tacitus also mentions that Christus, the the founder of the name, was put to death by Pontius Pilate, procurator of Judea in the reign of Tiberius. Then he reports the terrible things that were done to Christians in the first Roman persecution as a result of Nero's false accusations. Outside the Bible, somebody who has no other thing to gain except reporting facts in his history. The second secular source I want to share comes from a few years before that, when Pliny the Younger, the Roman governor of Bithynia, wrote about Christians in his area. His area was uh, part of Turkey today. And about the year 110 A.D., Pliny wrote the Roman governor Trajan and asked him what he should do about the Christians whom he called a wretched cult. (laughs) He mentions Christians eight times in his letters, and he mentioned Christ himself three times. Pliny's most famous example of referring to Christians says that they met on a fixed day to chant verses alternately among themselves in honor of Christ as if to a God. Now these are some of the best references to Jesus of Nazareth outside the Bible. You can see that there are enough of them to dispel any claim that Jesus never really existed because he obviously did. The vast majority of scholars view eight elements about Jesus and his followers as historical facts, even if we do not count the Bible record itself. And these facts are these. Jesus was a Galilean Jew. His activities were confined to Galilee and Judea. He was baptized by John the Baptist. He had a band of disciples who followed him. He sparked some kind of controversy at the temple. He was crucified by the Romans near Jerusalem. After his death, his disciples continued his work and some of his disciples were persecuted. All of these facts can be verified from sources outside the Bible. As to the charge that there is no definitive physical or archaeological evidence of the existence of Jesus, one Bible scholar responded. He says, well, there's nothing conclusive, nor would I expect there to be. Peasants don't normally leave an archaeology trail. (laughs) Bart Ehrman, who's the author of Did God Exist? Another professor said this, The reality is that we don't have archaeological records for virtually anyone who lived in Jesus' time and place. The lack of evidence does not mean a person at the time didn't exist. It means that she or he, like 99.99% of the rest of the world at the time, made no impact on the archaeological record. So that is not really that important. What I do want you to know this morning is this, is that what the Bible says is true. It is not some kind of elaborate deception created by people who wanted to fool us. Besides, the people who preach the good news about Jesus and told his story willingly gave their lives so that that word could get out. They put their lives behind what they were preaching and teaching. The world may say that the cross of Jesus is foolishness, But we know that Jesus of Nazareth lived, was crucified, and we know that he rose from the grave on the third day. God has been very careful down through the past 2,000 years to deliver a message that is accurate and reliable, even verifiable if we want to check the evidence. We have not been asked to believe a myth, but to believe the truth and to think and believe what that means. At the time when Jesus walked on earth, he did not command worldwide attention. No one outside Israel even knew about him until months or maybe even years after his death at the hands of the Romans. Scholars tell us he didn't leave any archaeological footprints for us to find, but Jesus lived and he carried out his ministry in Israel in the first century. At first glance, it may seem to some people that Jesus didn't have much of an impact But what happened after people started putting their faith in him is truly remarkable. On the first day the gospel was preached, the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people repented of their sins and were baptized in the name of Jesus. They were added to the 120 who already believed in Jesus and were following him. And from that point onward, the church grew and grew into a worldwide movement now located in nearly every country around the globe. No one has impacted this world like Jesus of Nazareth. As James Allen Francis famously wrote, he was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in still another village where he worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. Then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never had a family or owned a house. He didn't go to college. He never visited a big city. He never traveled 200 miles from the place where he was born. He did none of the things one usually associates with greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was only 33 when the tide of public opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. He was turned over to his enemies and went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for his clothing, the only property he had on earth. And when he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Twenty centuries have come and gone, and today he is the central figure of the human race and the leader of mankind's progress. All the armies that ever marched, all the navies that ever sailed, all the parliaments that ever met, All the kings that ever reigned put together have not affected the life of man on earth as much as that one solitary life, the life of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. You know, there is one other evidence for Jesus outside the Bible I simply must mention this morning, and that is us, you and me. You and me. That's right. I said us. We Christians, the people who believe in and follow Jesus, are evidence outside the Bible that Jesus is alive and real and active in this world today. It is a privilege. It is an honor to be the evidence of Christ by which others learn of God's life-changing power over sin. Your life and mine ought to be convincing proof that God continues to work powerfully in the lives of His people everywhere. And so I ask you and myself, can other people see Jesus living in you and me? Would you pray with me? Father, we thank You today for Jesus. We thank You that You came into this world so that we might know you and we might love you in return and that we might have new life given to us that we could never earn on our own. Thank you that you were so careful that you preserve things for us so that we could verify the story of Jesus in multiple ways and that people that were his contemporaries wrote about him and that the record that we see even in the Bible is true and reliable and verifiable And we are grateful for that, Lord, because our faith is not in a fable, but in the truth. The truth about Jesus Christ. We pray today for each of us and our faith that we would be growing, that we would be maturing, that we would become the people you want us to become, and that we would have the witness in this world that you want us to have. For we, too, are evidence. We, too. And bring glory and honor to you and bring others to Christ through the way that we live. We pray for your blessing now as we continue our worship of you. In Jesus' name, amen.